Hello and welcome back to Control Alt Delete. My guest today is the model, actress, entrepreneur and writer Emily Ratajkowski. She starred in David Fincher's Gone Girl, amongst other films. She's appeared on the covers of multiple high fashion magazines and walked the runway for many fashion brands. Her 2020 essay for New York magazine, Buying Myself Back, garnered over a million hits within 24 hours and was the magazine's most read piece of the year. I don't know about you, but I read that piece and I just wanted to talk to everyone I knew about it. It was amazingly written and a really fascinating topic. So when her first book, My Body, was announced, I couldn't wait to read it and I was very happy and grateful to have an early copy to read before this interview. We discussed the book in this episode and if you enjoyed the piece she wrote for New York Magazine, you will absolutely love this book. It's more of the same. It's really brilliant, sprawling essays about feminism, sexuality, power, men's treatment of women and women's rationalizations and the justifications we make. These essays chronicle moments from Ratajkowski's life whilst investigating the culture we live in and its obsession with and contempt for women's sexuality and the dynamics of the fashion and film industries. She explores the grey areas when it comes to discussing such topics and I think the essay format really does this beautifully and allows her to go to many different places to bring forth a lot of her ideas, opinions and storytelling around this topic. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I really enjoyed talking to Emily and I really, really enjoyed the book. So if you like this episode, I definitely recommend buying the book and getting lost in it. So here is the episode with Emily. I feel like I know you very well after reading this book. It's so beautifully written and deeply personal. And I think it was a year ago, like this time last year, that your Cut article came out and it was called Buying Myself Back. And it kind of went viral, didn't it? It was like one of the most read pieces on their site. And I guess it was everyone's first introduction to you as a writer. How did that feel at the time? The week leading up to it, I was terrified. Um, I just felt like there, you know, not that many people had uh, read my work and most of them were people that knew me very well. So I felt really scared. Um, I was questioning sort of like everything because when you do a magazine piece too, there's the fact checking part of it. So everybody who's mentioned the piece said like, I had sort of people I hadn't talked to in a very long time who had trauma around where, you know, I was knew what they thought about it. And I had this just moment of like, will anyone care? Is it any good? And it was a really beautiful day when it came out and, you know, so many women connected to it. And so many men felt like they learned something from it. It felt this word is overused and I try not to use it, but I end up finding it felt empowering in a different way than I had ever experienced. And that felt really beautiful. Did it kind of prepare you in a way for the book coming out? Because I guess you mentioned a lot of other people in the book, some close to you, some people you haven't spoken to for years. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very relatable. We've all got people on Facebook that we haven't spoken to for years, but (laughs) did it prepare you for that moment of um, realizing that other people might read it? No, I'm totally not prepared. I've also like, I have this worst fear that somehow, you know, that essay just was a moment in time and now people are going to read the book and they're not going to relate to it in the same way. And that, you know, um, if I'm being totally honest, I'm not prepared, but it's okay. Um, I'm starting to do press and interviews and um, it's really nice. Like what, you know, you said to me about feeling like, you know, me and feeling like there was a lot to talk about like that gets me excited and makes me feel optimistic, but mostly I'm, I'm nervous. 
I remember someone saying to me that it's a good sign basically to be nervous. It means it's meaningful. It means it's, it's meant to be out there. Yeah. I think that, you know, risk is important. Like there need to be stakes for something to matter or be any good. I hope that that's true. One of the major themes that came out to me was just this theme of being multifaceted. I know that even in your bio, for example, it says multi-hyphenate, and it's something that I write about a lot, about how we're all many things, we're all Mm -hmm. so many different things. And it's a shame in a way that we have to spell it out even now that you can be a model and you can also be a writer and you can be this and you can be that and Mm -hmm. you can be into fashion and you can be intelligent. Was that important to you to get across like these different sides of you, I suppose? It's certainly true that I have a lot to prove. I feel like I want to like show people that I have a brain and I just am this person, right? Who have different things that I do, different things I'm interested in. And I stopped trying to explain it to people. There's a part of me that's like, I just can't even worry about it. People will know me how they know me and I'm just going to go on existing and doing the different things that I like. Yeah, definitely. And that integration of your public and private self, it's almost, this book is so raw. It must feel good in a way to put all those sides together in one piece, in one place. Yeah, it feels like a huge release. I have never exposed myself in this way before. Um, And it's very different. And I, I think people would say that they've been exposed to me or I've exposed myself in physical ways. But this is the other side that I couldn't tell through, you know, Instagram or Twitter or through being a model. Yeah, I really got that from it. That it was, it had to be a book, like it had to be the written word. It couldn't be anything else because it allows you in a way, your visual self to kind of completely disappear when you read the book. Like I wasn't really imagining you, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. when I was reading it. And I thought it's so expansive to do essays because you could kind of go wherever you wanted to go. And it's almost the opposite to how you describe being a model in some of the early chapters of the limitations of like, you have to be under 30, you have to be a certain size, you have to look a certain way, you have to be either high street or commercial or all these weird little labels. That must have, did that feel good to just break out of all that? Yeah, for me, this book isn't about answers. I don't have like a clear thesis that I'm presenting. I think it's really complicated and there are different sides to power and to abuse. And um, I wanted to draw all those out in a way that I had found I really couldn't talk about almost anything with Twitter or Instagram or the mediums that I like usually connect to people on. And the only way I felt like I could do this was through like writing my story in through my head. Um, And not fictionalizing it, making it personal essays, the format of essays allowed me to sort of ask myself questions and like get to the bottom of something through the exercise of writing a specific essay. I don't know if I could have done that with a memoir or book um, in the same, it had to be essays. And I really like that in the intro when you actually spell out like literally in the first few pages, I think that you're not on a quest to explain what empowerment means. I love that you like just say that straight up because like you say, you're not on a quest to even define what it is necessarily. It's just like we're all on our own journey to what that means almost. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's also just not a straight line. Um, And most things that we do, especially when it comes to sex or our bodies, are both, there's, it's their double-edged swords. I think that I was interested in exploring both the ways that I felt powerful, the ways I've been complicit in certain dynamics, and then also the ways that 
I felt less than or taken advantage of or trying to paint a whole picture of, of what power looks like when you're a woman and when you're in the very particular position of using your body and your image to make your living. Definitely. And that that sort of having two sides of it comes across in the essay so well. And I feel like we need more of that just in general in life yeah. at the moment, because people just like pick a side and it's like, well, let's have a conversation. And especially about Instagram, for example, you do have an essay in there about your relationship with Instagram. And I think people do find that fascinating. You know, we all have different sides of ourselves. And it was really, really interesting hearing the behind the scenes of, you know, making money in that way. Yeah, um, I was like nervous about that one. I guess there's something so complicated about my relationship, which is the obvious aspect. Not everyone makes money from their Instagram and their social media. So there's like my survival and my livelihood is based off of my social media presence. And then also the part that I think like everyone can relate to, whether you have 10 followers or 28 million, that there is a validation that comes with like when all of your followers like one picture and what that does for your self-esteem and um, your value, your self-worth. And yeah, it's just something that's undeniable. So I wanted to be really honest about that. Well, it was almost comforting hearing you say that because you kind of assume sometimes that people are slightly above that animal instinct that we all have, which is like, of course, it's nice to have loads of people seeing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that, that was great. But also the way that you did say that you would go on Reddit threads and you would read stuff. I thought that was interesting because not everyone does, but it's a vulnerability that I think a lot of us would do the same. Well, I think also, even if you've only done that two times you remember what it's like to look at comments or you know um what people are saying about you and i i don't really believe anyone so, that says they never do it i think that that if they've if they don't do it anymore it's because they've done it once or twice and then they were like okay i don't need to do that anymore a hard thing with attention and validation is that if you care about what people are saying about you when it's good then that means you also care about when they're saying bad things about you um, so you kind of have to stop caring at all in order to be okay. Um, but that's way easier said than done. I, I don't know anybody personally who doesn't care a little bit what people think mm -hmm. of them. And on the topic of Instagram and, I mean, you talk about a lot of what you do, of course, as being entrepreneurial and, and you're making money and you, you talk a little bit about it being the hustle and things like that. And I find it so interesting that, that I do feel like it's gendered, like a guy hustling and making loads of money is praised and yet a woman doing it in a way that people maybe don't think is conventional is sort of frowned upon. And I thought, but why aren't we praising people for being entrepreneurial in all these different ways? Yeah, it's so complicated. Um, you know, one thing that I've been asked a lot is, well, like you continue to like use your body to make money and to, you know, have a living, like how can you criticize that system while also still partaking in it? And for me, it's like, well, of course, what woman, like if you have the opportunity, um, it's sort of like the only fans conversation that's been happening recently. Like, I think I would never blame a, a woman, um, like that's a younger person than me, or coming up in the age of the internet, seeing what revenge porn, what that looks like and how out of control you can be and not thinking like, okay, maybe I, I could, I could play the system to my advantage. Um, and I just feel like we always want to place the onus on women for them to adjust their behavior rather than changing the system overall. 
even more broadly, that's so true. You know, even with the conversation around sustainability, I just don't feel like shaming an individual is helpful. We should be shaming the whole system. A millennial person getting a house plant isn't killing the planet. It's like the bigger picture is killing the planet. A hundred percent. I completely feel that way. I mean, I feel that way about like cancel culture even too. I think that we want to like weed out bad people, quote unquote bad, but it's like ultimately there's people, there are people who do things sometimes maliciously, sometimes unknowingly that hurt other people. And um, that's because we have a, have created a culture that allows for them to do that or feels makes it feel like that's okay. Um, or there's power dynamics that we're not talking about that perpetuate these behaviors. And I think that's what I'm interested in having a conversation around. In society, we have this really strange perception of people who are beautiful and have money that they like have no problems whatsoever. And I feel like that's really, we've got to really change that narrative. And you talk in the book about Britney, there's some great lyrics in there that took me back to um, some great Britney songs, but I've, and, and it's even more relevant now, it feels like the Britney conversation, but um, I don't know, was that important for you to show that everyone has things going on? So I wrote that essay before the documentary came out. It was written just purely because she represented so much to me when I was a young girl, which was that, you know, she seemed like she had it all. She seemed like the example of like a powerful woman um, who everybody was paying attention to and the guys wanted and the girls wanted to be and watching her spiral um, and, you know, like fall apart in front of our eyes. It was, it was also like, it should have been a warning to me as somebody who was, you know, a little bit younger than her, but was entering into this industry and this modeling and this world. Um, and it still wasn't. So I myself have definitely been guilty of thinking, well, like, sure, I guess it kind of sucks to have the paparazzi follow you, but like, damn, how can you complain? Like, it's just because everybody wants to see what you look like and what you're wearing. Um, but I think more for me, less than like, we should feel sorry for famous people because there's of course the other side of that, which is like, we absolutely shouldn't because like we have, there's a lot of things that famous people have that are incredible, like wealth and power and influence. It's more about how we treat celebrity and women particularly and what does that say about our culture overall? And um, what does that mean for a woman who isn't famous? Um, because if these are the things we value in a famous woman or expect from a famous woman, like her to be sexy, but her to also be a virgin, what does that mean about, you know, what little girls are learning at a young age or what women are expected to live up to? That is literally the most terrifying thing of all of it, isn't it? That if Britney, someone like Britney is is trapped in that way, then what hope does someone have? It, it's like, how does that work and how does that impact us? And it's so interesting when you really look at it and realise that so much of the opinions of women is all about ownership because to have an opinion on how a woman lives her life, to me, that just shows that people think they owe them something. Mm-hmm. Even the um, the Vogue cover with Billie Eilish and how everyone had an opinion. Mm-hmm. And I just, I actually didn't have an opinion. Yeah. And I, I just didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's hard because, I mean, it's something I write about um, in the essay of the, where I'm on vacation, where it feels like women are adjusting, whether you, I mean, I have friends who 
like never like dress kind of like men intentionally, like they wear suits, they wear like big shirts, they don't show their body, whatever. And even that feels like a response to, you know, being sexualized to being a woman, like they they're trying to escape it. And then I have friends who like, you know, I see that they're always in a sexy tight outfit and it's like, it all feels like a response to the same thing. So instead of asking women to adjust, why don't we take a look about at the thing that they're trying to adjust for completely. And that's what I feel like the nuance in this book that came across for me as someone grappling with my own weird stuff going on in this, on this theme is like the moments I thought I was empowered when I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And that, that was the most hard hitting parts of the book for me is when you're reflecting back and what you thought was a powerful move maybe wasn't. And, And that's where this is such an interesting conversation and what your book is doing so, so well. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I think if there was a hurdle to get over to be able to write about this stuff, it was admitting that I wasn't like the savvy hustler that I'd sort of thought I was, um, that it was more complicated than that. And that felt shameful and kind of embarrassing. And it was hard for me to reckon with that. I mean, I rewatched the Blurred Lines video you opened with talking about that in the book. And it's very interesting watching it with a new with a new set of eyes on having read your book. I'm just so glad that people know that young women know that what actually happened. Yeah. And again, that's a perfect example where that experience of being on set in many ways did feel more like I was being treated like a person, like I was a part of the team that was making it than I had experienced on other sets. It was mostly women on set. And yet um, my experience ultimately was just a reminder of sort of my position. Um, And it was a part of the story when I thought about that video, I wanted to focus on how many women had been there, how silly it felt, how fun it felt, how I felt like I was respected. They wanted to talk about what I wanted to wear and and things that, you know, on most fashion shoots or any shoot, they'll just like hand you clothes and you kind of don't get to say what you want or not. Um, And yeah, I guess it's a perfect example of how complicated these things are because I could, I both felt powerful and like in control and then also completely out of control and with no power and like, you know, a mannequin, as I say, and, or as a, Mm -hmm. like a prop in the, in the shoot. Well, when we talk about empowerment, I mean, for me, I felt empowered reading that essay because it meant that I had more information, like as a woman. And I just feel like the more these stories come out um, that were hidden for so long, Mm-hmm. And we were worried to say say things, but, you know, even before the Me Too movement. It's amazing how much has happened since then. But it's so powerful to know that we can talk about it openly now and mm-hmm. that we can all see things kind of differently. I mean, that is the reason I wrote this book and decided to publish it was to talk about things that I felt like I only had discussions, even with my closest friends in like very specific moments when we were feeling really vulnerable, felt like we could really trust each other, like late night when we're talking about a guy we were dating and how he made us feel about ourselves or a sexual experience or work or whatever. And those conversations aren't happening enough out loud. So what happens is women blame themselves and they think it's just them and it's that specific situation rather than larger power dynamics. So that's the hope with, you know, telling your story is that more people will feel like, oh, I'm starting to understand that this isn't about me. I don't need to feel ashamed. There is obviously an essay that touches on motherhood and you obviously have had a baby. And 
it's funny, it kind of hearing you talk about or hearing anyone talk about giving birth or having a baby or just like creating a new life really puts it in perspective, doesn't it? The conversations about a body. Mm-hmm. It's not like it trivializes any of the other any other things, mm-hmm. but it just makes you think, oh, what are we talk like what are we doing? <laughs> you know, like a yeah. body is incredible for other reasons. Yeah, it was very humbling for me. Part of, you know, this book, the theme and even what we're talking about right now is control and the sort of like the the desperate I have I'm desperate for control in my life in general and especially with my body and feeling like I can control my body I'm I'm I have power over my body and being pregnant and giving birth you're completely um like brushed aside your body is just operating with this ancient mechanisms and creating a life and like pushing things forward in a way that is very humbling and it was actually really cathartic to experience that and to like be okay with not having control i know that in the acknowledgements you thank a few writers and um i'm a huge fan of stephanie danler and how you reached out to to people to read it and things but yeah how was it kind of pulling this book together just the process uh i mean so i started to write more for myself um and when i had about like i don't know six essays or something i decided okay like i can't just send these drop these into my like best friends text messages anymore (laughs) and like be like what do you think and like whatever i need to kind of almost like litmus test and i am um somebody who's like always been a reader and there were writers that i felt particularly connected to stephanie being one of them just through her writing And I decided to DM her on Instagram and just say like, hey, I've been writing. I'm a big fan. Would you mind if I sent you some stuff? And she was like, sure. Um, And she took a long time to respond. And I was so nervous and kind of had thought like, that's okay, you know. Um, And then eventually she was like, hey, I actually, I really do um, think you're a writer. (laughs) And it was just an incredible moment. It was a gift. Um, to have someone say, you know, you keep going like an encouragement. Um, so that was that process. And then I really, because I didn't want anyone to dismiss me and just say like, oh, another person who wants to write a book, I basically wrote the book before I even got an agent. Um, and I wouldn't meet with anyone until like they'd read everything. And, um, you know, it was a definitely scary and I was, I know I just felt very careful about treading into this kind of new identity and not wanting to just come in and be like, I'm a writer now um, because I feel I have so much respect for people who are writers and have dedicated their life and are working, you know, that's their livelihood and um, are making these things. So it was a really interesting um, experience and I just was very intentional on each step of the way so that I felt good about what I was doing and it's surreal that we have now reached the point of publishing. And it's honestly, especially because I had a baby six months ago when I was finishing the book. So time has felt really strange and also COVID and everything. And so having these conversations, it it feels um, really bizarre. (laughs) Oh my God. It's so it's, I know this part of promoting is weird sometimes. It's like you've written the book and it's all in the book. So, you know, talking about Mm -hmm. it, but so interesting and really interesting to hear your process actually, because 
this book really feels like on your own terms. Sometimes you can be edited so much that it feels like it's moved away from what you wanted it to be. So the fact that you wrote it before is really interesting. I mean, I had an incredible editor um, at Metropolitan who's a really smart woman and I owe so much to, um, but she definitely knew what I was all about and, you know, was very true to that when she, when it came to editing, she was always asking me questions to push me further. Well, I know that uh, writing really personal words can be a lot, but I'm really excited for it to come out because I just can't wait to talk about it with other people and, you know, just discuss it in detail because it's it's really moved me and a lot of it has, will really stay with me. So it's a brilliant, brilliant book. I so appreciate that. I mean, that's kind of everything I want is just to for it to be thought provoking and to start conversations, like I said, the conversations between women and, and men too, um, that I want there to be more of. What's the main thing you hope people do get from the book when it's out there? So I thought about this a lot because I want to have this sort of like perfect answer. Um, <laughs> it's a hard question. Sorry. But I No, no, I think it's um, really a great question. I hope that when people walk away from it, they realize that the way that the system and the culture that we live in permeates every woman's existence and life and image, no matter who they are, and start to reckon with how complicated and nuanced these questions around power are for women, Um, whether you're 13 or 70 or work in the industry or, you know, modeling, acting, or don't at all. These are the experiences I have had with power dynamics, but I think that every woman experiences them every day, whether it's through in her household, um, like division of work or in her female friendships. I want to start shining a spotlight on that. I mean, I think that basically black and white thinking is really dangerous and we have to start to see how complicated um, every existence is. But I mean, especially when it comes to your identity and as a woman and like how you navigate the world and how you appear and your sexuality and your image in today's world. It's not just models who are thinking about their image. It's anyone who has an Instagram or any social media, private or public. I don't care. You're, you're putting yourself out there um, and your image out there in a way, even just, you know, we take pictures on our phone that we think are private. We don't, we know that that's not always true. <laughs> so um, just reckoning with all of that and what that means for our our survival and existence. It's almost like a story of healing as well, isn't it? And how to be happy yeah. in your own skin, which is like the most universal message of all. And I feel like if I'm triggered by anything, like that's kind of on me and I need to dig deep into what that is and you know, we we have to solve our own things at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, one thing that was hard for me was writing the last essay, which I did after my son was born was like, you know, there was this feeling of like wanting to say to everyone, and now this is what it's like to exist in my body. It's so great. And I actually had such a hard time because I realized that I'm still figuring this stuff out. Um, and I'm totally not through the woods. Like there's not some like going off into the sunset and that's, you know, I obviously talk about my son's birth, but for me, the hardest part of that, of the book, the end to write that last chapter um, called releases was about going on a bike ride with my husband and my best friend, because it was a moment that I like remembered really being in my body and appreciating my body other than for the way it appears in the world. And um, 
what was hard about that was finding that moment <laughs> to write about, which I think speaks to the fact that it's still an ongoing thing. I look in the mirror and I'm still assessing myself with uh, kind of all of our cultural input with, with the gaze in mind. And I want to, I want that to change, but it, it hasn't changed for me yet. That's just the truth. So. Mm. I know. And what an, what a kind of everyday example that essay is about, like, that's kind of the beauty of it, isn't it? That it's yeah. kind of a day-to-day thing. But it felt so satisfying um, yeah. in that moment to feel my body do something and like feel safe with people and feel loved by people for who I am versus how I look and be able to like live and exist in my body in a way that um, wasn't about commodification or desire, but just about life. Thank you so much for this conversation and for the book. It's a really generous book. I feel like you've given quite a lot of yourself in this book. So thank you. And um, to anyone listening, I'll leave the link below to get your copy. And thank you again for your time today. It's been so nice talking to you. Thanks so much. It was really nice to talk to you, Emma. I really appreciate hearing how the book felt for you. <laughs>